Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Slugcast. As always, my name is Cynthia, and I've wanted to ask y'all, what books have you read lately? Honestly, I haven't had the time to read any books lately just because all that I've been reading are my textbooks and canvas readings. But some of my personal favorite books are Jane Eyre, Interview with the Vampire, and Dancing with Butterflies. I don't know if any of y'all have ever heard of those books. Um, maybe Jane Eyre. I think a couple of people actually had to read this one for high school. But these are honestly three very good books, at least in my opinion. Um, they vary in genres, and if you want to check them out, I'd say go ahead. They're very, very mentally stimulating. They really make you think, and I got emotionally invested in these three books. And this actually ties in with especially this last book, Dancing with Butterflies, as this week's episode is actually, we're going to be talking and having a bit of a conversation with the author of this book, which is UCSC's very own Reina Grande. And without further ado, for those of you who don't know who she is, or you do know and you want to hear more about this, let's jump into this interview. Hey everybody, I'd like to welcome our very special guest of today, Reina Grande. Hi Ms. Grande, um, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners out there who may not know who you are? Quick little introduction. Okay, uh, well my name is Reina Grande and that is my real name. People often think that's a pen name, but it's real. Um, I'm originally from Mexico and I came to the U.S. when I was nine. I grew up in Los Angeles and I was lucky enough to get accepted to UC Santa Cruz where I did my undergrad and where I launched my career as a writer. And after Santa Cruz, I was able to make my dreams come true and I became a professional writer and I have been doing that for many years and I'm loving it and I would not want to do anything else but write. Oh, thank you for that quick little introduction. So I did want to start off with, what was your journey like here to study at UC Santa Cruz? Uh, what was my journey? Well, I first went to a community college. I attended Pasadena City College and I actually got accepted to um, UCLA. Wow. When <laughs> and I thought about going to UCLA, but my community college teacher, uh, she encouraged me to go to UCSC because she said that everybody and their brother wants to go to UCLA. There's too many people there. And she said at UC Santa Cruz, uh, I would have a much better time. It, you know, back when I went to UCSC, um, it was a much smaller campus. Mm -hmm. uh, the student population was a lot smaller. And she felt that that I would get so much more out of living in LA, leaving my comfort zone and going somewhere new and somewhere different. So I followed her advice and I ended up at UCSC and it was the best thing I ever did because getting out of LA was definitely a learning experience for me. It, it taught me to be independent, you know, being away from my family. I had to learn how to be on my own, make my own decisions, make my own mistakes. And um, it was it was great because I definitely became a very independent person at UC Santa Cruz. I also experienced culture shock in a way I hadn't experienced in LA because, you know, LA 
there's so many Latinos there. I never felt like a minority in my in my community college. I mean, you know, there were so many Latinos. I was comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. But when I got Santa Cruz back then, only about 50% of the student body was Latino and they were not majoring in creative writing. So I was usually like the only or one of the the few Latinos in my creative writing classes. And that was major culture shock for me. Um, and also the, the way of life in Santa Cruz was a culture shock because that was where I met my first vegetarian friends, <laughs> first vegan friends. And it was my first time understanding our responsibility to the land, you know, mm-hmm. I, I learned to, I learned to value trees and nature and I learned about composting and about recycling and yeah like just the way of life was so different from what I had known in LA and I definitely learned a lot of great things while I was in Santa Cruz and I I feel like I would not be the person I am today if I had not spent my time there. Wow I think that's so fascinating that you really feel that The campus, even though, yes, it was small, and yes, even though you experienced culture shock, you felt like it really helped you grow as an individual, which I think is something that a lot of people, when they first come into a university setting, they usually don't see that. They just kind of see it as a stressful situation. They're moving away from home. They feel like they might not fit in. But I think it's really nice to see that, yes, you will fit in eventually and you'll find your own little spot. And like you mentioned that you were one of the few people in the creative writing courses, which actually really got me thinking into what wanted you, what made you pursue your career to wanting to become an author? Was it the experiences that you had at UC Santa Cruz or was it anything before that? Oh, it was before that. I I wanted to become a writer when I got to my community college because my my community college teacher, she was the first teacher who ever told me I had writing talent. And she encouraged me to hone my craft. And she was the one who asked me uh, why I, you know, that that, that I should consider, you know, pursuing a career as a professional writer so my dream of writing really became, you know, be, was born at my community college. So when I went to UCSD, I already knew that that's what I wanted to do and that's what I wanted to major in. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of challenging at first in Santa Cruz because I felt, you know, my the first few teachers I had in my creative writing classes, uh, I felt were not getting my stories you know um i was writing about poverty i was writing about mexico about uh, migration and and sometimes it would tell me that my writing was very melodramatic and overblown and full of cliches and yada 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 and i yeah it was hard for me because i often felt that every time i walked into my creative writing classes i had to put on my like battle armor <laughs> in there to like freaking, you know, fight. <laughs> and it gets exhausting. So th- there was a time when I thought maybe I'm in the wrong major. Maybe I need to go to Latin American studies or something, you know, or major in Chicano literature. <laughs> um, 
do that easy, you know, take the easy way out. But I ended up like just sticking it out. And eventually um, I had a really wonderful teacher who's still teaching at UCSC, Mika Perks. She, she was my creative writing teacher and I loved her. I ended up working with her on my senior project and she really understood you know my stories and what i was writing about and um and so it got better it got it definitely got better in terms of me feeling comfortable in in those writing spaces but now you know when i look back on it i feel that the challenges that i had in terms of like learning how to fight for my stories mm-hmm. was actually a really good lesson for me to learn because the reality is that in the publishing business it's exactly the same <laughs> like, you know the publishing business is over 80% white mm. and as a latina writer i mean there're going to be plenty of people who are not going to get my stories who are not mm-hmm. going to understand what i'm trying to say and i have to fight my battles and i have to you know put on that that armor and go out there and um so those lessons that i learned in Santa Cruz as much as they were very um painful and difficult i learned i learned how to stand up for my stories and how to hold on to the vision that i have for them wow and i think it's really interesting that you say that you had to fight for it because i feel like that's something that a lot of people don't know, don't really know that goes on especially within uh, minoritized communities when we try to publish our work out there just because the field is so saturated with all of these different works and a lot of people aren't really open to the perceptions and to the stories that we experience and the culture that we experience and the things that we go through coming in from like let's say for me like born in Guatemala like my experiences when i try to portray them here a lot of people just kind of brush them off or don't understand them because it's nothing like american culture and it's nothing like how they see it here and that's something that i've really noticed as well with you how you said that you really had to push through to get your stories across for the way that you interpret them of coming in from mexico and coming in from your life experiences which really made me also kind of think about like how did you feel that your experiences throughout your youth made you into the person you are today not just as an author but even like beyond that how do you feel that they've really molded you and driven you mm. well let's see <laughs> uh, in many i mean in many different ways i i think that um even like for example as a parent they have definitely influenced my parenting approach because like I grew up with two very bad parents you know I mean my father was an abusive alcoholic and my mother was not there um so because of those very bad experiences as a child with my own parents it forced me to then when I became a parent to make every effort I could I could make to be the opposite of that you know to to be more loving to be more supportive of my kids and maybe i've gone like a total extreme because my kids are really spoiled <laughs> oh like super super spoiled but if that's the worst that happens to my kids then it's okay you know <laughs> um 
I've been like discovering how, like, for example, <clears throat> I grew up in a lot of poverty and I didn't have the things that I needed, which is a really bad thing for kids, you know, because there's, there's, there's a difference between not having the things that you want, but to not have the things that you need mm-hmm. can really have a strong impact on you. You know, like if you don't have stability, if you don't have a supportive home, stable home, I mean, those things are, are things that you need as a child in order to grow up to be a confident person. Uh, and um, I didn't have any of that. So then when I was at UCSC, I was really insecure. You know, I was such an insecure girl. I had a very low self-esteem. Uh, I made a lot of like dumb mistakes because of my low self-esteem. And it just took me a long, long time into my 40s <laughs> finally grow into a very mature confident woman mm-hmm. you know uh, but I wasn't like that at all but like if you talk to my daughter she's 13 I mean she is so confident borderline arrogant oh <laughs> but but I would rather have her like that than have her you know, being an insecure little girl who's scared of everything, like like I used to be. So I don't know. So I think for me, um, with my kids, definitely I've spoiled them, but I've also given them a very stable, um, loving home, oh. and and that's I have I have done a lot more than for for their emotional and mental health <laughs> than my parents ever did for me. Aww. So that, like, kind of going off of that, it's like you're really talking about how, especially coming from, like, a la- la- like a Latina family, is that you really have to pull yourself through the bootstraps and push yourself to be more than how, like, however support you're going to be getting from the outside. And I think that a lot of Latinx families and a lot of Latinx students do experience that bit of a disconnect, even if it's on your level or even if it's less, where they feel that once they kind of start their education, even if it's not even at a university level, but just even like high school or starting community college, they don't really feel that they have that support from their parents or from family just because it's something that it's like it's new to a lot of Latinx families, which I wanted to really know as a Latina, how did you feel about your journey in wanting to pursue a higher education at a university? Mm-hmm. Well, it was it was difficult because... Um, my father, you know, one of the things I love about my dad, and that's why I, I could forgive the guy for all the other things he did, was that my father really valued education. And from the moment he brought us to this country, he said, I brought you here so that you can study, go to school, have a career, you know? So he really like pushed us to be super students and he, he would not, he never allowed us to miss school. Even if we were sick, we still have to go to school. So we always had perfect attendance. And we had, you know, we were mostly like straight A students. And 
And I really appreciated that about my dad because my mom was a total opposite. She, she raised my two younger siblings and she did not teach them to value education. And both of my younger siblings ended up dropping out of high school. Mm. So, so my father, um, he, there was no way he would have ever allowed that first of all, you know? So he pushed us and pushed us and, and my, my two older siblings and I definitely, you know, did really well in school. And then when my older sister started college, my father took out a, a loan um, to help her pay her college expenses. But my sister, like many young people, um, you know, she she got caught up in all that credit card and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. she a lady in a lot of credit card debt because she was constantly going to the mall to buy pretty things. And then she ended up buying a brand new car. So then she had a car payment every month and eventually she ended up dropping out of college because she had all that debt and she had to get a full-time job. Mm-hmm. So then when my older brother also started college, my father bought him an old car to keep him from, you know, getting into debt. And that was his way of supporting my brother and going to college. But then my brother fell in love and he came home and said, I want to get married. So Aww. right after he turned 20, he got married and then dropped out of college. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so then when it was my turn to, to go to college, my father said, forget you. You're going to do the same thing. You're going to be a failure too. Why even bother with you? No. So then he didn't help me at all. Like he did not give me a single dollar to pay for my college education. And that was really hard for me because I needed his support. I didn't have it. And I had to find my way through college. And of course, you know, things got even harder when I went to UCSD because nobody in my family had gone to university. You know, my siblings just made it to community college when they dropped out. So I got to UCSD and there was no one in my family that I could call and say, hey, you know, how the hell do I do this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to figure out how to be a university student on my own. And and it was, it was hard not having any support from my family, from my parents. But then I realized that in not having their support, there was also a silver lining in that they couldn't tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. They couldn't tell me what to study, you know, which I know like a lot of students feel pressured when their parents are telling them this is what you need to study and then maybe they have other interests. So like someone like me who wanted to be a writer, I know a lot of Australian writers get told, oh, that's a waste of time. Why are you doing that? You should major in, you know, law or medicine or whatever, you know? Yeah. So nobody, nobody got to criticize my dream which is really liberating, you know? Um, So then I, you know, paid my way through school and I got to decide what what I wanted to do with my life. So that was really nice. Um, But I understand, you know, there's so many young Latino students who feel a lot of pressure and who get homesick. I know in my first semester at UCSC, a lot of students that had started at the same time I did were starting to drop out because they were homesick. Mm-hmm. And um, 
yeah, I, I know it's hard, but the, those first few months are really, really hard to transition. But yeah. you gotta stick it out. You can't drop out, you can't leave. Yeah, you, I mean, you have to realize that we have that support, at least nowadays, we have a lot of support systems set up for Latinx students, like El Centro, which is dedicated to helping these students transition over from either like having no little to no knowledge of like their family of how to enter the university system. It's like they become their family at UCSC and they're the ones here to motivate them and to guide them into like that self-discovery journey of trying to really figure out who you are. Because I feel like for a lot of us like Latinx people, it's that our families want us to go to university, but it's it's like for what they want. And not sometimes that doesn't necessarily really work out with us because then we're unsatisfied and we're at university, but we we don't feel as if this is the right thing that we're meant to do but hopefully like there's definitely a lot of programs out there and i'll be attaching the links in the bio below for those programs for our fellow latino latina latinx students out there to check them out but you definitely don't have to feel alone while you're up there which i actually really kind of made me think back to how you really felt that once you did get here and you stuck through and especially that one professor that you mentioned with your creative writing class it seems like you really looked up to her the most i want to know a little bit more about her um what did she like drive you to do what did she how did she help you like kind of pursue your career further yeah well i was really lucky because there were two teachers at ucsc that to this day are in my life and you know they're my mentors and i adore them so the first one that i mentioned mika perks she's in the creative writing department and um the creative writing program and i i really appreciated her support because like i said at first i was struggling in my creative writing classes but when mika came along i felt more confident and and i was able to work with her one-on-one. -on -one. Like she mentored me through my senior project and, and I did a independent um, study with her too. So I was working on short stories and I just got, I just felt that she got me, you know, and that she wasn't criticizing my culture. She was criticizing my, my craft mm -hmm. and she was pushing me to be a better, a better writer. Um, and to this day, you know, she's still encouraging me. She has read every single book I've ever written and she has given me feedback on it. And, Aww. you know, so, so she's like my lifelong teacher, right? Mm -hmm. Even though she, she didn't sign up for that, <laughs> she, she became my teacher for the rest of my life. So um, I, I, love, I love having her and feeling supported by her. And then the other teacher that I had that was really instrumental in, in my development at UCSD was Marta Navarro from, um, she was my Spanish for Spanish teacher, uh, Spanish for Spanish speakers teacher, and also Chicano literature. And Marta, she introduced me to a lot of la Latino writers, you know, she gave me like the works by, uh, Juan Rulfo and Tomás Rivera and, and Sor Juana Inés de la Cruz and um, Gloria Saldúa. Like, so she, she definitely helped me to expand my knowledge 
of Chicano Latino literature, but also she helped me a lot with my identity, you know, because I was taking Spanish for Spanish speakers with her because I had lost a lot of my Spanish when I learned English. I was shamed into um, learning English and I rejected my Spanish because I was made to feel that that was the wrong language to know. But when I got to UCSC, I wanted to reclaim my mother tongue. So then I took the class with Marta and it was really wonderful because Marta always told me that there was no right way or wrong way to speak Spanish. And that, you know, the way we speak, that's who we are and that we shouldn't be ashamed of who we are. And then she also helped me figure out like my identity because I often felt that I was less of a person because of my immigrant experience, because of my language trauma. And she said, you're not less, you are more. You know, you're not bilingual, bicultural, binational. You're mm -hmm. twice the person Aww. that you were when you immigrated. So that was, um, that was a really wonderful way to look at my experiences as an immigrant that I didn't lose anything, you know, I mean, I gained, right? And mm -hmm. that I needed to celebrate my double identity and my, you know, and being bicultural and being bilingual, those are things to celebrate. So that was another thing that I learned while I was there in Santa Cruz. And definitely between Nika and Marta, they helped me to to not just survive Santa Cruz, but to thrive. <laughs> And, yeah. and that was really wonderful because then by the time, you know, when, when graduation came around, I was so depressed. <laughs> I felt like I was getting kicked out of school instead of graduating. And I didn't want to leave. And then nobody told me that I could have applied for a master's and stuck around longer. Because <laughs> um, I would have totally done that. But uh, I was so sad when I had to leave Santa Cruz. I was depressed. I feel like I'm starting to feel that a little bit as well because like kind of coming from my background story is that I came to the United States from Guatemala in 2008 and coming since then until definitely my first year here, my first quarter at Santa Cruz, I have had to reject a lot and I've had a lot of culture denial just because I was trying so hard and I was pushed into trying to really reject my own culture to try to fit in into what is considered quote unquote the American culture, which at the end of the day, the American culture is just a melting pot of so many different cultures, which is something that I feel like we don't push enough, but I can really relate to your experience of having to completely drop Spanish because for the longest time, I would, my last name, I would enunciate it Ordonas. I would always say, Guatemala. I would always say um, Mexico, but coming into UC Santa Cruz, I feel like I've had so many, a lot of my professors and a lot of my peers have really helped me realize that my Spanish culture and my Spanish accent and my Spanish language is something that should definitely be embraced and not pushed aside. So now it's like, I feel so I feel more empowered and more liberated now that I can really say when I introduce myself with saying, hey, everybody, my name is Cintia Isabel Ordonez and like saying everything with that pride of like my culture. And that's something that I did not receive until I got here to UC Santa Cruz, which is something that I feel like it's really nice that we have that in common. 
And it really makes me like think about like how how did you like okay kind of like going off of there i know that you're also a kresge affiliate and i'm also a kresge affiliate and i really wanted to know into how did you start your scholarship because this is something that's pretty famous among us people at kresge but for those of you who may not be aware or who are part of any other colleges? Um, can you explain a little bit further into this? Because I feel like this is a very powerful and empowering scholarship that you've kind of started. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, I've been wanting to do it for a long time. And, and uh, the idea for the scholarship came because when I was a student at UCSC, I got a lot of scholarships from Kresge and from the university to do projects, you know, student projects. And one of the scholarships I got was to self-publish a collection of short stories. And I got money to uh, pay for the printing costs. And then I got another scholarship to turn my short stories into skits. And I, and, um, I, I recruited people to like be, you know, actors and, and perform these skits. And then the, Provo, the Kresge Provost let me use the town hall, the Kresge town hall oh, wow. to put on my, my play, you know? Uh-huh. And um, and then I got another grant to purchase a um, hard drive for my videos because I double majored in film and video and I needed to store my, my footage. Uh-huh. So I got another grant to, to buy a hard drive. So because of those, those, uh, that kind of support that I got as a student, I always wanted to give back, you know, give back the money (laughs) and pass it on to other students who, who need it and who are doing projects. I I think that that's a really wonderful thing for me, like to see, um, students take on these, these projects, you know, personal projects and to spend their the, the time doing it and put in their passion into these projects. Uh, it definitely makes um, being a student so much better because this is the time when you're supposed to be doing all these projects mm-hmm. and, and exploring your interests. Um, so any any student who is taking that extra step is uh, someone that I, I want to support. So oh. hopefully, you know, I know, I know this year, um, two students were chosen already for, for the scholarship, but hopefully in the coming years, we can give it, give the scholarship to more students. Yeah, definitely. Like for me, I'm not, I'm not really like, I'm a psychology major, but I still love delving into the arts and I love finding that blend and balance of literature and writing and physical art like painting and it's just sort of like the way that that relates to how our how we feel and how we interpret our feelings so kind of when I looked into the scholarship I felt like huh even though it's like I'll give this a shot I passed the deadline I didn't find out about this until after the deadline but I think for anybody out there who seems intrigued by this I would encourage you all to go check it out. I'm definitely going to be checking it out a little bit more and hopefully something good happens. <laughs> and it really just, I really would want to think about like from you, you've mentioned that you really hope that you're giving this back to, you're giving back to the community and you're hoping that with the money that the student receives that they can 
pursue a little bit further, but what do you hope that the scholarship and the kind of work that they will be doing to earn that scholarship will inspire within the recipients that do receive it? Well, I think we were talking about earlier, you know, that pride in who we are mm -hmm. as Latinx, Latino, Latinas. Uh, that's what I'm kind of hoping that through, you know, the scholarship, I can encourage students to not just be more proactive in their learning and in their passions and, and you know, creating and pursuing these projects, but also the projects are meant to celebrate the Latino um, culture. So to me, like the best way to celebrate our Latino culture is by doing these, these projects that mm -hmm. will you know, help other people understand who we are as a community and in the pursuit of the project while you're working you know on on bringing this project to life i feel that that's really empowering for the students yeah. and you know i i want to make sure that that i'm i'm supporting them as much as i can in in getting these projects off the ground if anything, for those of you who are really interested, I'll also be attaching the link in the bio below so you can go directly look into this whole project and figure out what you can do, what kind of projects you can submit, and just plan everything out ahead of time if you feel like you really want to do this. And unfortunately, that's all the time we have. And I would like to thank you so, so, so much for coming on. And I would like to ask if you have any words of wisdom or inspiration that you'd like to give to our listeners out there, either if they're Latinx youth, if they're undocumented youth, first generation, transfer students, basically everybody on campus. What you got? Oh, everybody. Everybody. <laughs> okay, well, the advice I wish I could give myself when I was uh, about to graduate from Santa Cruz was to have a plan after graduation. <laughs> what is your life going to look like right after graduation? What's your plan? How are you going to pay your bills? Where are you going to live? How are you going to support yourself and, you know, while you're pursuing your dreams? And that is definitely something I did not know what I was going to do. So I ended up sleeping on my brother's couch for six months while I figured out what I was going to do with my life. So don't do that. Make sure you plan ahead. So when you, the day that you graduate from UCSC, you know exactly what the day after is going to be like for you. I think that's such wonderful advice that a lot of us don't really, we don't even plan ahead for the quarter. So <laughs> I think it's definitely going to be a very great under, like a big undertake just to even plan ahead for your life or like at least the next couple of months after graduation. But I think that's really amazing. And for any of you out there who really like this and are interested, I'll also be attaching the link below to Reina's website so you can go check out her books because honestly, they are amazing. Um, I've read all of them. And recently, my dad actually, he lent me one of your very, very, like, I think it must have been one of your project books. It was mm -hmm. Under the Guamuchil oh, Tree. Yeah, yeah. I've I read it. I found it. It was like in the bookshelf. But I know that's not out there. But I really loved this one. I loved all of her other books. And all of you out there who want to check out 
like basically your interpretations of your life experiences and your stories in such wonderful ways of like the Latinx community and how we go through all of these things, I would encourage you to go check it out. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Slugcast. Now, I hope y'all had a pretty good time listening to Reina talk. Um, the other two times that I have spoken with her, I feel like I come out thinking about new things and I have a different, a slight different perspective on a lot of things, especially the topics that we discuss. Um, and if any of y'all want to go and check out her scholarship, you can find it through kresky.ucsc.edu. You go down to the academics tab, you go through the student scholarship tab, and you can find there the Reina Grande scholarship. Now, I'm honestly gonna be trying out for that scholarship because it's something that seems really interesting and I really encourage y'all to also go ahead and give it a shot. Um, I've never applied for a scholarship funnily enough, but I'm hoping that for this first thing, especially since we get to be a little bit creative, it'll be good. And especially for those undocumented students out there, I'd also like to put out quite a bit of resources if you want more information. All of these are through EOP and their subdivision of undocumented student services. So some of the things that they offer are peer mentoring and personal support. They have a scholarship fellowship. They also have a newsletter which is dedicated to giving y'all the news that um, apply to you. They also have a snack closet. They also have emergency funding and free printing if you really need those services, which I would say take advantage of them. And some of the workshops that they have and events are the DACA clinic, the California Dream Act workshop, the things about talking about life after college, things such as off-campus housing, mental health, and budgeting. If you want to get in contact with a staff member, you can follow the link that we'll be attaching into the bio below. And more than anything, I would like to thank y'all once more for tuning in to this pretty important episode of Slugcast. I had a lot of fun. Um, I'm hoping that the audio quality will sound okay. We had some bit of a technical difficulties, but hopefully I can clear that up by the time y'all are hearing this and you get to enjoy those really, really cool conversations. As always, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and RSS.com. You can also go ahead and check out our Instagram. We post updates on there of any new events that the Division of Student Affairs and Success is holding, and when we'll be publishing new episodes from myself and my other co-workers. But as always, you can email us individually for any requests or any comments that you might want to give us. And with all, that is it. And we'll see y'all later.